Alright guys, so we're going to go through the flood story today in Genesis. The flood story is a very fascinating story uh, because a lot of different religions have a flood story. Uh, a lot of them, like Gilgamesh and things like that. Um, and uh, a lot of them have flood accounts. Um, so you look in the Bible and the flood story is, is, is uh, demonstrating a lot of different religions. But a lot of people also debate, did the flood story actually happen? Uh, well, why would God do a flood? You know, you look at the creation in Genesis, and in creation, God created Adam and Eve in this perfect garden like we talked about, and then they sinned against God, they ate from the tree they weren't supposed to, and it caused death and division, and God's presence, in a sense, left the garden. And so they got all the opposite of God. All the death and disease came in the world. The first siblings murdered, uh, and they had all kinds of sin that filled the earth. But not very long after that, I mean, you know, we're not talking about thousands of years here. Not very long at all after that, God decides to send a flood to destroy basically all of humanity. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, how could a loving God do that to his creation? You know, why would God do that? Does he just hate humans? You know, what's the reason behind it? So that's what we're going to look at. Why did God offer the flood? Why was, why was this a thing that God did? So contrary to popular belief, uh, it was not because he hated humans uh, he couldn't control his rage, or he just wanted to kill off a bunch of people. None of those things allow with God's character. If you listen to what the Bible actually says, God gives you an explanation of why he had to bring the flood and what the purpose was. And this goes into Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8. And it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, whom I have created uh, from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But then Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What do you guys have been out this is, though? This is pretty intense. So um, Sarah mentioned this earlier, this is a good point, um, that... The very first siblings, there was a murder story. You know, Cain and Abel, uh, and then all of a sudden after that, it doesn't end there. As humans grow and start multiplying and filling the earth, more and more people start killing each other. And more and more people start committing these horrible, terrible sins. And so God looks over the earth not very long after it was created, and all he sees is just all this evilness, all this terrible deeds, people killing one another, people hating one another, divisions. And God's like, man, this is horrible. And it says in the Bible, this was really interesting, that it was so great that the Lord was sorry that he made man. And he was, he was sorry what he had made because it went so vastly off his original plan for humanity. And so there's a great argument here um, about why Calvinism is, is wrong. Uh, Calvinism basically teaches you know, that everything in the Bible, God knew exactly... God planned it to exactly happen that way. Nothing happens outside of God's plan. Wait, Calvinism well, is wrong? Yeah, well, listen. Um, so God has an original plan uh, for all of us. And God has a plan for the universe. His ultimate plan will come in fruition. But each of our individual plans that God has for us, you know, that's why he gave us free will. We can choose to follow that plan or to go our own path. And so think about this. God's original plan for humanity was for Adam and Eve to live in this garden and enjoy his presence forever and to have everything they could ever want. He wanted to continually bless them and have a great relationship in the garden. But because they chose to eat from the tree, they separated themselves. And so after that, people started killing one another. People started doing evil and horrible things. 
And God says here that this is not how I want it to go. This is not how I envisioned it. This is not my plan for humanity. So I'm going to start over. Um, I, I'm going I'm to do away with the humans. I'm going to start over and try again. Um, yeah, what? Doesn't it say that God knew what, like he knew that humans weren't going to do, be like he wanted them to be? No, it never says that in the Bible. Like, um, but like he pretty much has our whole life. Like He knows what we're going to do in our life. And, and that, that's kind of debatable. Up to us, ultimately, God's going to win. But you know, it's up to us if we want to join along that plan or not. Each of us have our own individual plan for our life. Look, at, if you look through the Bible, even in the Samuel, you know, God originally wanted to use Saul. That was not not the Saul that became Paul, but the, the Saul in the Old Testament. And God wanted to use him to become this great king and leader. And for a while, he was that. And then he started going his own way and not listening to God. And so God said, fine, I'm going to find somebody else. And David was the one longing after God's own heart. And so he said, okay, I'll use David. And then, again, his plan pushed forward. So, you know, um, I don't think that it's correct to say that you know, God, God knew exactly what humans were going to do and everything in the world. Because the Bible really doesn't back that up. It's, a, it's actually more of a common theory of today's time, not something they really believed back in the day, uh, because God gave us free will. You know, think about this. If God created us and wired us to do a certain certain activities our entire life, in a sense, we kind of be like robots. And when you're, when you're wired like that, you know, it's, it's hard to know, does that person really love me, or are they just worshiping me and honoring me because I wired them to do that? And But again, if you go back into God's character, he created humans with the free choice to turn against him, not because he wanted them to do that, but because he wanted them to freely choose him. He freely chose us, but he wanted us to also freely choose him. Yeah. Why? Because if you do that, that's the real love and relationship. That's actually true, sincere love, something that is tangible that can last. If somebody just loves you and worships you because you wired them and made them to do that, well, then that's that's not really going to have the same kind of effect. Yeah. No, but not like programming us, but like, do you think God could just see the outcome of anything? I think I think God can see the outcome of everything, um, but I think that in some ways, you know, um, God might maybe in the Genesis account, it's hard to say. God may have left it up to chance uh, to say, you know, I'm not going to look at the outcome of this. I'm going to wait. I'm going to see what humans do, um, and then kind of proceed from there. But I do think in, in life, when God leads us in a certain direction, He knows if He leads us in that direction. Later on, it will benefit us for the good, and you can see how that, that will play out down the road. Um, but um, again, he can, he, I think if you look at it like this, Aaron, this is a good way to look at this. So I think God, when he created humans, you know, when he looked at Adam and Eve and he told them, don't eat from this one tree, I think God, if he knew that Adam and Eve ate from that tree, it was going to go, it was going to go down a really bad road for them. It was, they were going to turn into a lot of evil, were, death was going to come into the world, things like that. But he knew also they didn't do that. They could have this great relationship. And so he knew kind of the outcomes of both things, you know, how bad it might get or how bad it could get. They kept going down this road. But he also knew how good it could go if they didn't turn that way too. And he kind of let the outcome to them. He let the choice of them to choose. Does that kind of make sense? So basically, he doesn't know who you're set future like, oh, they are going to do this and then this. Instead, he knows... They're going to have a choice to do this or this. This is what this road looks like and this is what this road looks like. Yeah, and I think that's true. So God, like, think about the Bible. If you look through, you know, God has a certain plan for all of us. And it's a, it's a plan for good. It's a plan to prosper us and to, to give us hope in the future. But also, he knows if we don't follow that plan and we choose if we choose something different, what the outcome of that's going to look like. And it's not going to be 
that good. See, think about this with humans. He knew they didn't choose him. A lot of bad things are going to happen. And then as, as they went down, the humans continued to not follow God. He knew, oh, this is, and he, he got to a flood account. He said, you know, this is, this is going to keep getting worse and worse. I can see there's no, there's no end in sight. People are going to keep killing each other. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse. So at this point, I'm just going to start over because at this point, there's almost no hope for humanity because they've decided in their hearts they're not going to follow me. What I think from that is you have a choice and he knows the outcome, but he can also maybe take one of the, put his own choice in Mm -hmm. and he'll know the outcome of that as well. But I still don't think that he's forcing you to do one. Yeah, because think about this. Yeah, this is a good point. So like when I when I had that injury happen in or had that disease like happen in high school, to get you closer to yeah, so you can do if, things. If need be, like if he yeah. sees that there, they needs to happen. No, I think that's right on. I think that's right on, Sarah. So yeah, throughout life, you know, God may put certain things in your life and call certain things to happen to make you look at Him because you're going your own direction. And like you said, He can see the outcome of both choices. He knows, hey, if rather keep going down this path, it's going to end up really bad for me. I don't want that for him because God already wants to bless us. He wants us to have a good life. And so he knows that if I keep living in sin, this is going to be really bad. So he may cause something to happen to me. He may cause something to happen in my life that all of a sudden it shifts my focus and it forces me to look to God and, and, and hopes that I'll turn to his plan and then so he can use me in that way. And it says in the Bible that anything that's happened in your life, anything you've done, God can use that for something really good. And God can use that for good if you what? If you give it to him. When you turn to him, He'll say, okay, I'm going to take all the mistakes you made, Bradley, but now I'm going to start using it for something good and this correction. If you don't turn to him, it doesn't, it doesn't turn into that kind of atmosphere. So, yeah, I think that's, does that make sense, Aaron? Yeah. Kind of like with, but I think, I think in, in life, God can see the outcome of every choice you've got to make, but he gives you that free choice to make that choice, to go in the better outcome or go to the bad outcome. And then you make that bad choice, and he gives you other choices down the road. He keeps giving you second chances all throughout your life. Yeah. I actually think this is very helpful because, you know, my whole life we've just been told vaguely, oh yeah, God knows the future. What's that mean? He knows exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Because those ancient guys, um, when they were breaking away from the Catholic Church, some of those dudes were like, ah, yeah, he knows exactly what we're going to do. So then they were just like, I forgot what domination they became, but like, they just believe that, oh yeah, hopefully we're one of the good dudes who go to heaven. Yeah, and, that, and, that's, and that's one thing. If you look at like, the Calvinist belief system, they believe in this concept called tulip. It's weird. Uh, it's really weird. Um, they believe in tulip, which is, it stands for different things. And you can look it up in your own time. We're not going to go into all that today. But um, one of it is limited atonement. It's the L. It basically means that when Jesus came to die, he only was dying for certain people, not everybody. Not everybody had a free chance. He only died for the ones he wanted to save. And again, that's really contrary to what the Bible teaches throughout and what God's plan is. And the P in tulip is predestination. That when God created somebody, he destined them to go to heaven or hell. But again, does that really go uh, together with God's plan? Wait, if you look, I also believe in predestination because God can see the future. Well, so if you look at this, the predestination, this is a good this is a good point to go to. In predestination, yeah, when you go to predestination, there's no choice at that point. You know, God's already given you um, a choice. He's already given you a destination that no matter what you do in your life, you're either going to be doomed to heaven or hell or be saved or not saved. Because he's already destined that future for you. And if you go back to the Genesis account here, back to the very beginning of, of how God is, you know, God's, God wants to be with all humans, and he gave all humans a chance to turn to him. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, you know, I'm dying for all people. You know, and, and so he's given everybody a chance because, you know, God isn't, 
God doesn't want to create somebody to not be with him. That doesn't make any sense. When God creates somebody, he loves his creation, including humans. We're his most prized creation, and he desires that relationship and, that, and to be with us. And so it makes no sense for God to create somebody and destined them to be forever separated from him. That goes against his entire character and how the entire rest of the Bible preaches. Um, so that's a good point. So let's go on here. So God decides that human humanity, he can see the outcome like we talked about. He knows that humans are going to continue to turn away from him. Uh, and this and the evil and the murders are going to keep happening. That they've already decided in their heart to turn against him. So he says, you know what? I got, I'm going to cause this flood to happen. I don't want to do this. It pains me. It grieves my heart to do this. But I'm going to do this and start over. And, and he looks at Adam and Adam's family. He says, this one family is honoring me. And everybody on earth right now, again, there probably weren't millions of people back then. Did you say Adam? I'm sorry. Noah. Ooh, I could have <laughs> Noah, Noah, Noah. Um, so um, back then, you know, obviously there's not millions of people. But out of the ones that were there on earth, uh, Noah, was the, Noah and his family were the only ones that were really following God and trying to seek his direction. You'll see this later on, too. And so God says, you know what? Because Noah and his family are honoring me, I'm going to try to start over with them in hopes that Noah and his family will continue to multiply and fill the earth and their generations will start to follow me afterwards and they won't turn into the same situation that we had the first time. So we're going to take two here and try this again. And so in Genesis 6, uh, this is where you get this account. Genesis 6, 10 through 14. And it says, And Noah begot three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So we talk about all the murders were happening. More than just came in naval situation. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. Now, I want you guys to think about this. Okay. So, like to Aaron's point here, if you're back in that time period and there's no rain that ever comes, or rain comes very, very, very rarely. They live in the um, Yeah, so like I they live in like a very dry land. So if you think about the situation, you know, to say build this massive ark because a flood's gonna come would seem totally irrational. Uh, now if you're in like Louisiana. Uh, right now, and, and God says, build a flood, the hurricane's coming, you're like, oh, yeah, probably true. You know, I'm like, build a flood? Oh, build an ark, sorry. <laughs> build an ark. Because yeah. the, the flood's coming, the hurricane's coming. You know, pretty likely. You know, good situation there. But in this particular area, you know, the people back in this time period have never seen a flood before. They didn't even know what that was. And so when God told Noah, build this massive ark, there's going to be all this water that comes. It's going to fill the earth. That seems very irrational. But I want you guys to see something here. Noah is never reported of back talking God and questioning God. He just goes along with it. And that's again why I think God chose Noah and his family. Because see, if you look back into how God originally wanted things, He wanted us to choose Him and have faith in Him, and then He would have faith in us, and He chose us freely. And so Noah had faith in God completely. You know, whatever God told him to do, even though it seemed impossible and irrational, he was like, you know what, God, you're above me. You know more than I do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your plan. And so, again, this kind of backs up why God chose Noah, because he had that kind of strong faith. Nobody else did. People probably made fun of him, laughed at him, stared at him, probably said some mean things to Noah during this time period of him building this ark. 
So there's something we can't miss here about the faith that Noah has. You know, if we think about our own lives in the 21st century, how many of us have that kind of faith? If God were to say, hey, Sarah, go out and do this, and it just seemed really impossible and irrational, how many of us would say, yeah, I'm going to trust God's plan, or look at that and say, no, that's never happened before. I'd ask I'm going to do what? Um, I don't know if it be anything. Like, think about this. Here's a good example. So a lot of times when people get into, like, get called to missions, you know, not, not everybody's called to be a missionary, but sometimes when God calls somebody to be a missionary, he may say, you know, Caitlin, I want you to go overseas to India because I want you to serve this village over there. And you think, well, God, I got no money. I got no job. I don't speak the language. Yeah, I don't speak the language. This is not going to work. But, you know, in that situation, again, like, like we talked about earlier, Aaron, we have this plan. Are we going to choose to follow what God laid out for us? Or are we going to say, God, that's too irrational. I can't do that and go in the opposite direction. If we go in this opposite direction, sure, we may, we may do some good things in life and God may use us later on and, and, and change that up, but it's never going to be a kind of fulfillment we would have from going to India and doing God's plan. Because once you get over there, God will provide the resources. You know, he, may, he may provide it before time. He'll help you, maybe get an interpreter, help you with the language, and you'll be able to do things over there for the kingdom of God that you would have never imagined otherwise. So the same thing, same thing is true with Noah. Noah thinks, probably thinks to himself, God, this sounds really dumb, um, but I'm going to do it. And then through this, God makes an incredible story out of it. Right here, just kind of wrapping up the flood. So one, God causes the flood because of humanity's evilness and corruptness. And I want you guys to think about this. In a way, it's God's way of recreating what was already there. So think about, think about this. this is going to really blow your mind. See, are you ready for this? Okay. Um, so God used water to wipe out the evil that was in the world that was there and to start fresh with Noah and his family, hoping that they were going to follow him and continue on. What happens when you uh, get saved and ask Jesus to come into your life? Many of us go through baptism. And baptism is a representation of what? Going under the water, washing your sins clean, and starting a new life in Jesus. Yeah. Um, so the Bible is really amazing because it all starts wrapping back in, and God uses this kind of imagery and this kind of symbolism, and he uses these kind of examples that people would have known and, and, and he stays consistent throughout the Bible in the way he does things and in the way in the methods he chooses. Although he works in different ways sometimes. So I think I want you to think about the, the flood story as a way of God starting over with Noah and his family. Noah becomes this kind of new Adam, basically. And this is what's really interesting, guys. I want you guys to see something here in uh, chapter 8. And this is starting in verse 20. And it says this right here. It says, then Noah built an altar. Now, this is after um, Noah gets off the ark, okay? In their own dry land, everything else has been destroyed besides him and the animals that, that, he, that he brings on. Because he wanted, he wanted Noah to also keep the animals so the population continued to grow. And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma, and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. All of the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. So God makes this covenant with the earth that he's never going to do this again. He's never going to destroy the entire earth again with, with humanity all on it. Then he says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So God blessed Noah and his son and said to them, I want you to catch this. This is going to blow your mind. Okay, you ready for this? I want you to catch this. 
Think about the Genesis story, okay? Think about the account of Adam and Eve and focus on that. And then, again, think about the flood story as a second creation and doing over. I want you to see what he says to Noah and his family. It says in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse, uh, verse 1, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, and on every bird of the air, and on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea, and what they are given to your hand. They dread doing um, Kind of like we're dominion over them, I mean, Wait, in what? a sense. So I mean, we're already back in difference. Like we're, we're over the so animals and that. So what you guys... Kind of like uh, God's promise and people just saying, yeah, humans developed a brain and are better than all animals. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's God, God gave to me. But I want you guys to think about this, how, how similar that is. If you go back to the Genesis account, Adam and Eve, it's almost the exact same wording. God gives, he tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and then you're going to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. When Noah gets off the ark, he says to Noah and his family, this is what you're supposed to do. So again, it's a whole recreation. God tried a second time with humanity, showing mercy, showing forgiveness, saying, I'm going to try this again. Instead of just being done with humans, let's try this again. Now, here's what we're going to get to our last kind of point today. Now, did Noah and his family live perfectly and the rest of the world continue on perfectly? No. No. Um, and what's really, this is really shocking. You guys are going to think this is interesting. One of the very first things Noah does, one of the very first things, same chapter in chapter 9, when he gets off the ark, is he goes and drinks a bunch of wine and gets drunk and passes out. Woo! <laughs> He's like, oh, we made it, boys! <laughs> and uh, just starts pounding it. Um, so I want you guys to think about this. You know, God did all this for Noah. He sees all these amazing things happen. And instead of honoring God once he gets on earth, he goes and gets drunk. And then, you know, as the years go on, humans start killing again, murders start happening, all kinds of sins start coming into place. And so as you go through the Bible, eventually God calls them to offer sacrifices for their sin, but it just doesn't work because it just keeps sinning. It keeps sinning. They just cannot turn away. And so eventually that's where it leads to God says, you know what, I'm going to have to send Jesus. Because he's the only one that's ever always honored me, always obeyed my commands and lived righteously, and he's the one that can truly take away this curse of humanity and pay for your sins, and you can follow him. And what happens when you follow Jesus? You get new life. And it says the Holy Spirit comes within you, and you're what? Born again, like you start over. And so this is a, all throughout the Bible is, is God's story of mercy and forgiveness. Humans fail, God forgives them. Humans fail, God gives them a second chance. They mess up here, God gives them another chance. And they just keep messing up and keep messing up. So God says, you know what, fine, I still love you so much, I'm going to send my only son and give you this chance. And still people today don't follow him after all of that. But God's already given us the greatest sacrifice and the greatest gift. And he says, all you got to do is follow Jesus, give your life to him, and you have eternal life. And what's interesting is, what happens when we get to heaven? When we get to heaven, we're in a place of no pain, no death, no suffering, and we what? Enjoy God's presence forever. Exactly how it was. I heard something in, about how heaven's going to be on earth. In the garden. Yeah. I heard something about how heaven's going to be on earth or something, and I can't wait.
because there's places on this earth I can't go in this lifetime, and if I go to heaven, and <laughs> you know where I'm going to go? Where? Antarctica. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, let, me, let me close with this. Um, I found this, and I think it was on um, um, reading through the Bible, or Bible stories for life, and it says, the key meaning of the story, the flood is about God's mercy and commitment to the goodness of what he has made. This is where the rainbow comes to play in reminding humanity of this covenant and the start of a new beginning. Even though God did this, people in our world today still seek to corrupt even that very symbol that God made to promise us he's not going to flood the earth again, which it talks about in Genesis chapter 9 and 10. Uh, and it says, uh, and I put his promise again, you turn to the evil ways that cause the flood. Even though we know, I'm sorry, even though we know God's promise, humans still turn to those evil ways and turn against Him. So this pattern is consistently repeated all throughout the Bible. Humans turn from God, then God shows mercy and gives another chance, despite us not deserving it. So what do you guys think about our kind of takeaway today about the flood? Think about all the times in life that we've turned against God. We don't deserve His forgiveness and His love and His constant. Uh, searching, uh, seeking after us, but He still gives it to us freely. His love is unconditional. No matter what we've done, He gives a second chance after second chance. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, that's the first place to start. And if you have, then start living for Him. Start having faith in Him and trust in Him because ultimately His plan, like Aaron talked about earlier, is going to succeed. Whether you're a part of it or not is up to you. But God wants to use each and every one of us God wants, a, wants the plan in your life that He has for you to come true. But you also got to choose Him and follow Him. So let me pray for us here. Lord, thank you so much for this story in the Bible in Genesis about the flood. Lord, I ask that as we go about our lives, that we put our faith and trust in You. Even if You say something that seems impossible or challenging, doesn't make sense in our world, I ask that we trust You and Your wisdom above our own and give it to You and follow You. And Lord, when we turn away, when we turn to you, when we turn away from you, I ask that we understand you're constantly seeking after us. No matter how far we turn, we can turn back to you, repent, and you're going to use us again for your plan. You're going to use us for your glory and use us for something awesome in the future. Lord, let us honor and obey you in all we do. And then we pray. Amen. Right, let me pause. I got to. You guys.